Welcome to Rise Up For You, a podcast focused on helping women get to the next step in life professionally and personally. Through our six pillars, relationships, investing, self-worth, career, love, and health, we focus on the whole woman. With interviews from global experts, teachers, authors, and more, we provide you with real strategy and tips that you can start implementing today in your career, relationships, and so much more. We are all about educating and empowering you to become your best self. And now your host, Natalina. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today here on the Rise Up For You podcast. This is your host, Natalina. Again, such an honor and always an honor to be here with you. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular, thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you coming back. Today, we're going to be speaking with Laurel Mintz. She is the founder of Elevate My Brand, a digital marketing and live events agency. This is this is definitely an episode that you do not want to miss, especially if you run your own company, you're starting your own business, or if you're in the forefront of building something of your own. Today, we're going to dive into what marketing truly is, social media, branding, content marketing, events, PR, what all of that is and how it should be utilized. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Laurel, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Rise Up For You podcast. It's such an honor to have you on the show. We always like to start off the interview by getting to know our guests. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I think the work that you're doing in the world is so necessary and important. So I'm just honored to be here. Um, But to give you a little bit about me, um, I am a CEO of a company called Elevate My Brand. We are a full-service marketing agency, so we do the full digital suite, web content, social advertising, and creative, and the full experiential suite, launch events, trade shows, national field marketing for brands as big as Verizon Digital Media, Zendesk, and Sprinkler, and for brands as small as VC-backed startups no one's ever heard of. CPG brands and uh, nonprofit, which is the work we really love to do. Uh, what we really do best is making sure that there's a cohesion between all of the channels that our clients are in so that they can touch their customers in the most efficient way possible for their dollars spend. That's as concise as I can get it. <laughs> that, that's great. So tell us a little bit about your journey because we always, you know, everyone comes from a different space and the way that they get to where they are is always different. And I, and I think it's very empowering for us to hear. So tell us a little bit about your journey on how you got to where you are today. Is this something that you knew you always wanted to do? You know, you built this on your own. So just give us a little bit more of a backstory. Sure. Well, I am an LA native, so I'm actually Laurel from Laurel Canyon. My dad was a hippie in the 60s, lived in the commune the whole nine. And then um, I decided I was going to be a lawyer, which was a total shock to my parents. Um, And I did actually go to school. I went to uh, Rutgers for a JD MBA. The MBA was in marketing. The JD was obviously uh, the focus on law. I went to a big law firm in San Francisco and practiced corporate M&A. And then my dad actually got really sick. Um, He's healthy now, which is an amazing story. So everyone listening, please knock on a piece of wood for me. Um, And I had to step in and run his business for about three years. It was a retail furniture, which I want to like stick my finger down my throat. It was like, gag me. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is not what I went to school for. Um, And what it taught me was that I was a business owner. When he stepped back in and I stepped away and went after those big firm jobs again, you know when you have that like visceral negative reaction to something when it, you just are so clear that that's not your path anymore? Mm. That's exactly what I had with that experience. So what I thought was 
totally derailing my path towards corner partner office actually was what created me as an entrepreneur. Wow. I love that. I mean, um, we're glad that your father is okay. And, um, you know, thank God for that, but uh, everything kind of happens for a reason, right? And maybe, maybe that was the reason so that you can redefine your path there. Absolutely. I'd probably be miserable in that corner office as partner as we speak if that hadn't happened. So I know that you, um, you've done a lot of incredible work, um, with your, with branding and marketing. And this is such a, I think for entrepreneurs and especially people that are just getting into the field of running their own business, it's a monster and it can be incredibly overwhelming to market anything, creating your brand, getting on social media, getting clients, um, you know, funnel system, testing, all that stuff. It's just a beast. Um, and Mm -hmm. so, you know, I guess where's a good place to start? How do we, how do we even begin to market ourselves? Well, I think it needs to start with an understanding of what marketing truly is because people are very confused about all of the jargon that's out there in the world. People confuse marketing with advertising, with social, with PR, with all of those things. So if I may um, kind of just give a, an overview of what those things are, does that make sense as a starting point? Of course, that's perfect. Perfect. So whenever we talk about marketing, we liken it to an umbrella. It's a great visual. Everyone knows what an umbrella looks like. And under the umbrella are all of the things that you mentioned, all the things I just mentioned. So social media, branding, messaging, positioning, live events, um, content, advertising, research, all of those components are under the overarching marketing umbrella. And at the end of the day, the handle of that umbrella should be visibility or conversion to sale, whatever that key performance indicator that you're driving all those marketing efforts towards. So when people get confused about what marketing is, marketing is the catch-all and then advertising PR, all of those are individual um, efforts underneath the marketing umbrella. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Of course. So that's a good... So then once you understand... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So I was going to say, once you understand what marketing is, then to your question, you know, where do you start? And you have to start by looking inward and really understanding who you are as a brand and defining who your target audience is. So one of the first exercises we do with a lot of the new kind of nascent stage brands that we work with um, is really as simple as a word play exercise. And what I mean by that is just go on a whiteboard or on your computer or anywhere you've got scratch paper, if people actually write anymore. I know people are mostly digital these days. Um, and write down all of the words, all of the emotions that you want associated with your brand. So that is how you want people to come in contact with you. What are your core values? What is the emotion that you want to evoke when someone comes in contact with your brand? And then I would say circling the top three to five of those will help start getting you on your path towards maybe defining a timeline or really defining your core values of the company and also how you're supposed to be talking to your target audience. And then once you've done that, we do what what are called personification exercises. So in the same way that you have to really clearly define who you are as a brand, you also have to clearly define who you're talking to as a company. And so by personifying or actually giving name to the top three to five target audience that you believe you have, you create them as a, a humanized um, element that you can then use as a hypothesis to drive all of your marketing efforts against. And so personification is give someone a name, give them buying habits, um, tell us what social channels they're on, 
How often are they on them? How do they spend their money? Are they educated? How do they um, travel? What are they interested in? There are so many psychographic and demographic pieces of information that you can create as a hypothesis, and then those pieces can be used to develop some of your advertising targeting. That's kind of the starting point for really developing a strong brand. So that's very interesting. So this last one in regards to personification, really creating, um, I guess, a reality, you know, some, something that uh, could potentially be true. So, for example, maybe it's a mom, right? This, so your, your avatar could be a mother who has three kids, who is at home, who doesn't have a, um, a day job but takes care of her kids. Like, so are you talking in, in that regard, Correct. Absolutely. But go even deeper and give her a name because the truth is, and you know this because you're in the people business, but people buy from people. So in order for you to talk to this like avatar of someone who you believe is your target, try to make them as real and human to you as humanly possible. Mm, I love that. I think that's a, that's a great idea. Actually, that's something that we have done, but not to the extent that you're talking about. So that would be a good exercise for us as well. I love that. So once we get to that point and we, once we get to that point and we, we kind of figure out our avatar, we give it persona. I mean, where do we even, what's the next step? Like, do we just like go all in social media and all of these things? Or are we still trying to, I guess, go with the persona of the client? Well, I think it depends on the kind of brand. So there's a lot of different approaches depending on if you're a service-based business, if you're a CPG brand. But at that point, you've done a little bit of homework on who you believe you are and who you believe your audience is. The next step is researching who you believe your competitors are. So a competitive analysis, um, I would say, again, pick your top three to five competitors or aspirational brands and do um, as deep a dive as you can um, into what they're doing in this space. So what are their service offerings? Who are they targeting? What are their social channels look like? What does their branding and messaging look like? Sign up for their newsletters. What does their voice and brand look like? Um, really start to dive into who those um, uh, aspirational or competitor brands are so that then you can start to pull away and differentiate yourself in that market because that's truly what good marketing and branding is is a differentiation in an already saturated market. There are very few companies that develop something so shockingly brand new in the world. It's all about providing that little extra edge of difference. And the best way for you to do that is to see who you're up against. So I'd say that's the next point of, um, uh, of developing a strong brand. That's a really important point, and it's incredibly difficult to do. You're absolutely right, but it but it's true. It's it's kind of giving a little twist to what's already been created. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you guys actually one more tip. Um, there's a company called SEM Rush, and you can sign up for a couple of free uh, freebies. I believe we actually use this as proprietary listening software. But what it allows you to do is actually put in a couple of your competitor websites. And it gives you a pretty detailed um, rundown of their rankings on different channels, on what kinds of keywords they're using in their content. It's a pretty great starting point for understanding who the competitors are in your market. And then the other piece that we, uh, a lot of our startup brands use or we suggest that they use, um, and of course I want to give this to you and now I'm totally blanking, it's called uh, First Research. And it's a, I want to say it's a three or $400 investment 
but it gives you a uh, detailed breakdown of what's happening across your market in your industry. So not only knowing who your competitors are, but what are the trends in your market? You can, of course, search and uh, you know read what you can on the web, but this particular platform is the least expensive research platform that we've found to give you a, a little bit more comprehensive deep dive into historical trends, current um, modalities, and what they believe the future of your market should be. And that's just as important as knowing who you are and who your competitors are. Okay, so I just have a couple questions in regards to the competitor, because I think that this is something that a lot of people struggle with, companies, is when you're going and you're looking at people that are in similar fields as you, how do you find that balance of redefining, creating something new, but also not taking... um, you know, too much from that company as well, where now you're really replicating what they just did. I see that a lot with companies where, um, or even just coaches or anything where you will see somebody that kind of borrows and there's nothing wrong with borrowing. We don't want to reinvent the wheel, but how do we do it in a way that, that becomes unique to you? Well, of course my legal brain comes out when you say that I'm like, Oh my God, copyright, please don't. Um, but, uh, your point is, is how to differentiate, right? Um, And I think that in order to do that, you have to start with the first conversation that we started, which is really defining who you are as a brand. And usually that's a reflection of the business owner. So when you're looking at these big sites out there that have been around for a while, um, they, a lot of times they've gotten quite stagnant because they've gotten big and um, they're slow moving ships. So I think by using that verbiage, and really using yourself as a reflection of your brand and knowing what makes you different as a human, and again, humanizing the voice of your brand, that is really helpful in differentiation. And the truth is, if you're going to copy or do things that are even remotely similar to your competitors out there, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to pick up the kind of market share that will make you a successful brand because you're going to be kind of a me too, right? That's a me too play. Uh, not the Me Too movement, to be confused, not to be confused with the Me Too movement, right. but it's a Me Too play in terms of branding and messaging, right? So it is absolutely critical to define your differentiator. There's no perfect magic bullet in doing that. It's really about looking inward. If you have a team around you, working with them and discussing what those differentiators are. Another great tip is you can develop a survey with some options. So a lot of brands get stuck in this very conversation because of everything you pointed out. It's really challenging. They're looking at competitors. They're creating things that are way too similar. So use your existing audience, or if you haven't launched yet, use your friends and family and give them options in terms of your tagline. Give them options in terms of your voice and brand. Give them options in terms of your logo and color theory. And let them be a part of your building process. That's how you build brand evangelists. And the truth is you can't create a brand in a bubble. That's when people get stuck and just kind of are on that hamster wheel. Mm. So you have to look outside of yourself to get real feedback to move yourself forward in this process. Otherwise, it's, it's impossible. The creative process is the hardest part of building any brand. I love that. So let's say that um, we're a little bit further along in the process and we have the brand and we've been running up and running for, let's say, five years. You know, um, is it a good... Mm-hmm. Is it a good practice to kind of relook at your structure, your branding, your social media every couple of years and possibly rebrand? What's your thought on that? Um, well, rebranding is a big conversation. I think it depends on how much market share you've picked up at that point, um, how successful you've been, 
and what your audience is reflecting back to you. At that point, I would say probably surveying your audience and asking them that question is probably the best option. Now, brands always need to kind of reinvent themselves and keep them new and fresh. But even brands as big as Coke and Pepsi will only do minor tweaks to their branding and messaging when they're doing those rebrands. It's more to develop a PR talking point um, to get fresh eyes on the brand. So a whole entire new rebrand may be actually damaging if you built enough brand equity. All of a sudden, you turn around and you completely change your color theory. You completely change the logo. People are like, what the heck? I was totally attached to this brand. I don't even know what this brand is. So you can actually damage the brand and um, kind of create some tension with your existing clients and customers. So I think it has to be a balance. And the best way to understand if you're ready for a rebrand is to ask your audience how they feel about the existing brand and are they so connected? How would they feel about changing their color? Because, I mean, as a CEO, I want to make everything new and fresh all the time. I'm the idea person. And my team has to take me down a notch to say, look, people are really committed to who we are and what we're doing now. Yes, we can make small tweaks along the way to better what we're doing right now. But let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. <laughs> I love that. This is great. This is, this is great information. I'd love to uh, touch on, I, I know there's a lot of ways of marketing, you know, I've, and as we've been speaking, there's branding, there's social media, content development. Of course, there's event production and there's PR. There's a lot of different elements. Would you say like, when is a good time, I guess, to bring in the, the more challenging pieces, which is event production and publicity? That's a great question. Um, I think that PR for new brands is really important if you have a product, a location, um, or something brand new that you're bringing to market. And of course, you have to have a budget. I think people think that PR is going to be a magic bullet, but frankly, I hope that you're not mad that I'm going to use this word, but there's a lot of PR bullshit out there. Mm. Um, can we curse on this? Is that allowed? Yeah, oh, yeah, you're fine. That? Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, so there's a lot of PR bullshit out there, and, and that's simply because PR is a very challenging, um, immeasurable tool. People create a lot of visibility, or sometimes you'll pay a lot of money, and you won't get a lot of hits because the messaging or the, um, the subject lines, or maybe even the product or service isn't that interesting to your target audience. PR is also extremely specialized. So if you meet someone who's a publicist that says that they can do publicity in food and beverage and consumer packaged goods and technology, they're probably full of shit. Um, They need to have very specific relationships with editors of both long lead and short lead media outlets to really get you the kind of visibility and hits that you need. But more than that, once you get those hits, you need to use them in a really smart way, in a very holistic way, so that there's value in those hits. A hit for, uh, you know, media hit for media estate is really not that valuable. It's what you do with that. It's how you elongate the life of that hit that will help give you traction and hopefully allow you to pick up market share, increase your database numbers so that you can continue to market to that audience over time. So for typically for, uh, for example, we've got a really big um, healthcare brand that's launched multiple locations. They just had their grand opening last night and they hired a PR team to um, come in and launch this new location. It was a physical location. They wanted people to physically be there, and they wanted to get media outlets there to cover it. So what they did was they hired a PR team about three months post uh, pre-launch, and then they'll maintain that relationship for about two to three months um, post-launch. And that's to create that continued cycle of communication with media outlets, with 
um, with prospects, both long and short lead. But after that, you know, there's a 24 hour news cycle and people just don't care. Um, if you talk about the same thing over and over again, so if you can create new angles and you can keep PR fresh, then there's value in it. But I would say for brands, most brands, um, the better use of funds would be in social advertising and content. Okay. That's great. That's, that's a good tip. Thank you, Laurel. This has been a really uh, incredible conversation. I think it adds a lot of value and I'm sure our community is going to benefit from this for sure. I'd love to jump into the power section with you. Can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us? Yes. So I don't remember the name of the author because I am absolutely terrible with names. Otherwise I would have gone into politics, but um, the name of the book that I read and I've actually read it two or three times now is the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Um, I don't have you read this one. I have. It's so good. (laughs) So good. I think, you know, as business owners, we get so caught up in the day to day and we get, so we get insecure a lot about what we're doing in our business and whether our business is growing, evolving in the way and at the rate that we want it to. And I think that that book allowed me to care less about the things that, don't really matter in that process. So we get on this like hamster wheel of drive and driving the business and business development and content creation and media and all these things. And sometimes you just need to take a step back and really focus on the things that are actually important and that bring value to you and your family and your team. And that's really what that book kind of showcased for me. Absolutely. And that's by Mark Manson. So anybody that's listening, if you want to grab that book, yeah, it's a great one. What is one value that you have that you've always stuck by throughout your journey? Well, I think from the story I told you uh, about my, my father, you know, for me, the, the value of family is absolutely critical. Um, my family lives two blocks from me. I see them almost every day. My husband is an amazing champion for me and my business. He's an agency owner as well. So we have a lot of uh, commiseration and, mm-hmm. and success um, celebration that we do together. Um, and then aligned with that, I would say the value of play and fun, which for creative agency is absolutely critical. So I, I know I did too, sorry, but those are the two that I think are no, the most great. important is really keeping core your family. And then, you know, life is too short. If you're not doing things that you love, playing with your team, creating fun, then I, you need to get another job, <laughs> my opinion. <laughs> and if you could leave the world with one final message, we call it the golden nugget here at Rise Up For You. What would that be? Wow, that's a tough one. There's so many things I want to leave behind. You know, I, I, um, I sit on a lot of boards. I sit on the board for NICSI, which is the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. I'm always talking to um, kids and mentees about how to bring them up in the world and give them the power to follow their dreams. And so the thing that I always tell them, and I know this sounds so simple, but it's everybody's faking it. Nobody has it all figured out. People just fake it better than others. So I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much education you have. I don't care how much money you have. Everybody is faking it. So just show up and be the best version of yourself. I love that. And lastly, as you know, we're Rise Up For You. That's the company. That's the podcast. When you hear that phrase, Rise Up For You, what comes to mind? Rise Up For You. Um, you know, it actually reminds me of kind of like a sun salutation in yoga, which to me is like really energizing and powerful um, and then, of course, you know, rising up for women, that's one of my big missions is championing women and girls in their entrepreneurial pursuits. So I would say 
uh, empowering, energizing, and then supporting other women. Beautiful. Laurel, again, thank you so much for joining us today. How do we stay connected and how do we support you? Yes, absolutely. Um, so elevatemybrand.com is obviously our website. We're Elevate My Brand LA on Instagram, Elevate My Brand on Facebook, Elevate My Brand on Twitter. Um, if you want to reach out to me, I always take calls for anyone that has questions, and I'm at Laurel at elevatemybrand.com. If you land on our website, in the upper left-hand corner, there's a little hidden um, link that is our um, nine easy steps to marketing. So you can sign up there and get a really awesome campaign that kind of walks you along the path of kind of DIYing your marketing before you're ready to talk to an agency. Beautiful. Laurel, again, thank you so much for your time. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and pass it on to your friends and family. You know, the podcast is just one way that we reach our community members. If you go to our website, www.riseupforyou.com, you will see articles written from contributors from around the world, webinars, live events for you to attend. But, you know, we also have a huge online resource center full of information that you can access absolutely free. And, you know, one of my favorite sections is the Unstoppable Confidence Toolbox that's full of practices and ways to help you build confidence so that you can overcome any doubt that's consistently getting in your way. It's actually pretty cool. I mean, there's PDFs, there's articles, there's exercises, there's so much for you to take hold of and really help you get to the next step. The cool thing is, is we have programs, trainings, and live coaching calls that are happening all year long, special for our members. So if you're looking for more and you really want to connect with like-minded women like yourself, then you definitely want to check out our membership and all of the benefits that we have to offer here at Rise Up For You. And lastly, if you haven't already, we would really love to hear from you and know how we're doing. Head over to iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And let us know how we're doing. Rate us, review us so that we can be better and rise up with you. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Rise up for you. Be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow.